Hello there, and welcome to Fixing the Sequel Trilogy, the Writer's Room podcast dedicated to fixing the Star Wars sequels. I'm Bryce Quinn, and I'm joined today by our lead writer, Carmela Keating. Hit us with the progress, Melo. As we got from the last episode, I'm on a treatment that's uh, that's kind of not radically different. It's radical. But it, it's it's radical in some ways. Yeah. So it's like, think of all the progress we've made so far. And I've been like, eh. Forget about it. And I've gone a different way. So that's how we're going. Yeah. And we've also got our countdown to our writer's room. Uh, and to talk more about that, we've got our very own hero of the Australian film industry, Sandra Carrion. <laughs> that's, that's our progress supervisor, Sandra, out of 10, how excited are you for the upcoming writer's room? Oh, out of 10? Um, oh my God. I'm dreading it and I'm super excited at the same time. <laughs> so the levels are like around a seven to eight. That's right. So we're doing our writer's room. It will be off camera. Sorry. We need uh, a, a four hours or so of just the five of us arguing and debating back and forth vehemently yeah. and aggressively. And we can't have that recorded, so... That being said, okay, okay. If you are, you know, if anyone's listening and you want to comment that, hey, we want to listen to your writer's room, or uh, we want to watch your writer's room, comment because if if one person not comments, happen. <laughs> if, if one person comments, I'm going to push for you so that you can have this content. Yeah, that one person. Yeah, that one person. I'll um, comment. But that's because this is fixing the sequel trilogy. That's what we do here. We are a writer's room podcast, and we are going to be trying our best to rewrite The Force Awakens very soon, uh, start to finish, top to bottom, uh, and then delivering it to you guys, uh, the audience, our dedicated listeners who don't exist yet. But we've got a couple of friends who like the show, uh, and we really appreciate them listening in every week. It's been very fun hearing some really nice feedback. But yeah, we're going to continue on with our episode today, which is our episode on the Jedi Order, which is a religious organization of Force wielders that has existed for thousands of years and plays a core role in the Star Wars story. Now to Melo and Sandro with the law. For over a thousand generations, oh, shit, the Jedi done. Knights were the guardians <laughs> of peace and justice in the Old Republic. So from that, we can basically derive that the Jedi have existed for at least 20,000 years. Yep. Uh, we know that... Uh, we, became, thousand... um, we became Star Lords for a second there. I don't know if you know that podcast. No, I actually know. It's very um, good. With uh, the last thousand years prior to the Phantom Menace, uh, yep. uh, the Sith were completely absent because they were, you know, in hiding. Uh, and then in the prequels, there were about 10,000 Jedi throughout the galaxy. Uh, and a bit more on the Jedi. The, the primary objective of the Jedi is to keep peace throughout the galaxy and uphold and spread democracy. Uphold it. And democracy? They're, democracy. In, they're involved in democracy. They, they are involved in the idea of democracy, not okay. the institutionalized and democracy. the enforcement of democracy through yeah. violence. Yeah. <laughs> Sandro, do you have anything? I, well, we definitely see that turn into democracy during that High Republic era, blaring that line between what is the Jedi Order and where... It sort of interlinks with politics. Yeah. And we we get into that uh, uncomfortable realm of... And then it comes to a head in the prequel trilogy. Yeah. And it kind of falls to pieces when they become a military force. Well, them being involved, I I, I couldn't... I, I didn't uh, find anything on how long they've been tied together with uh, the, the Senate and the, the, the Old Republic. But in talking about democracy, I think it's worth establishing that, you know, they are just... They're, they're a peaceful group who are all about, you know, the the collective, the people. And therefore, you know, the, if, if, if there's a leadership, the people deciding on a le leadership, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are always linked to the New Republic. So diving a little bit deeper than that, though, obviously, the, the history and the lore of the Jedi is something that's been explored a lot over the course of extended universe stuff. Uh, people are very, very, very interested in this subject. Uh, and it goes back, you know, thousands of years. And there's so many, like, ancient Sith and Sith armies that are fighting the Jedi and the Jedi armies and the... There's the ancient Jedi worlds and stuff like that. So tell me a little bit more about that. About the Jedi and the Jedi war, like Sith the, the like the real deep stuff, like kind of the origins of the Jedi. Yeah, that's the thing though. Like, so you want there's legend stuff. So there's, there's legend, legend stuff that, that isn't canon. 
Yeah. What what is canon right now? N- nothing. There's nothing. Nothing's been written. That's why they're waiting on that um the James Mangold film. James Mangold film. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know they did a canon reset in which they've started to establish the High Republic, which is only mm. four hundred years before Phantom Menace, and everything else is all up in the air. Literally, I went on the I went on you know Wikipedia. You go to Legends, and it's like a billion words. And and when you go to the Old Republic and the Old Jedi, billion words. And then you go to the new one, it's like some books and comics exist. There's yeah. mentions of it. There's yeah. allusions to it. Yeah. Because if they say anything hardcore, then it becomes canon. The oldest yeah. thing in canon that is still known is obviously, you know, so they've been around for like 20, 25,000 years, and the Prophecy of the Chosen One. How old is the Prophecy of the Chosen Thousands One? Thousands of years old. In canon. Thousands of years old okay. in canon. Because that's something that we're very interested in exploring in this trilogy as well, is like tying, like the Skywalker Saga and the Chosen One Prophecy are like linked. Yeah. So we want to have that be play a part in our story as well, which I think they didn't really consider it all in the sequel trilogy. Not really. J.J. Abrams and stuff. What I can say is some other fun facts, unless Sandra wants to... Oh, no, 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 go, go. Okay, uh, some other fun facts. You know Grey Jedi aren't actually canon? Yeah. yeah, I found this out the other day. I was like, oh, well, there you go. They're yeah. so popular that I thought that they were. Yeah, other fun things I learned. Yoda wanted to train Leia, not Luke, initially. Yeah. And then everyone's like, nah. The Jedi rankings. Do we all know, are all familiar with all of the official Jedi rankings? No. Uh, we had a debate about that. After <laughs> the debate we had that one time, yeah, now yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just for a quick rundown, in case anyone else doesn't know, Jedi Initiate, Padawan, Knight, Master, Grandmaster. Metatech stuff? Do we want some Metatech? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah? This is my the, favorite stuff. In the original uh, script of Star Wars, mm-hmm. the Jedi were called the Jedi Bendu. Jedi Bendu. And then Bendu Rolls became... Off the yeah, I shortened it. And then Je- uh, Bendu became a character in Rebels. And then some other things. There are a bunch of space wizards, uh, and the Jedi and the Force have religious origins. This is how George Lucas wanted to spread morals, uh, regardless of the specific religion. Uh, yeah, he just his thinks stories. that religion is a good thing. And that it well, to, is... to carry morals, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good way of giving morals to people and like teaching them stories that have a moral backbone, I guess. And then one other thing, because this is a great, great debate. In canon, lightsaber colors have zero meaning. Which is, you know, I think that's a good thing, honestly, because what I Apart said... Apart from was, red, but... Yeah, obviously red has yeah, a pretty yeah. clear meaning, but I like the the ambiguity of lightsaber meanings because I like the idea that Jedi, uh, especially Jedi and like the High Republic and stuff, got to interpret the meaning of their color, of yeah. their lightsaber, as mm. in their own way. And yeah. there's a bunch of different ways you could do it. There are the There's the way that is popular, which is blue is the fighting one and the green is the academic one yeah. and so on and so on. But that's very simplistic, very reductive for an order of people that it's like 25,000, you said, I think yeah. was the number yeah. in the High Republic of how many Jedi there were, so... I think there's a, like a lot more interpretations you could go to for something that is so core to your identity as a Force user yeah. and as a Jedi. No, I agree. Rant over. Yeah, that's that's um that's pretty much it for my background stuff. I uh, yeah, uh, just quickly on the Meditech stuff as well. Just the idea that you know George Lucas loved Dune. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so D- <laughs> Dune happens, and then he's like, oh, space wizards are cool, and then he made up Jedi. It's it's a very clear uh, pipeline from yep. from Dune into Star Wars <laughs> if you have a look at it that way. So that's where it obviously all comes from, and then he was inspired by religion. I think Buddhism was maybe one of his inspirations. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you were to draw a connection between the Jedi and a real religion, yeah. Buddhism makes the, he's, the he's a huge fan of still uh, far Japanese culture. Yes, absolutely. Still far off. And especially like samurai cinema, he's a huge fan of, obviously, and that hugely inspired his the action and his style and the swords and space samurai and yeah. stuff. I, I, I don't want to move on because it's very fun to talk about, but we need to because yeah. we've got a lot to discuss in terms of what went wrong, Article 1, with the Jedi Order in the sequel trilogy because we didn't really like what they decided to do, which is burn it to there's, the ground. There's not a lot to talk about. It doesn't yeah. exist. I've yeah. got like three specific points. <laughs> Literally, I think my first point we'll all share. We don't know what the galaxy know <clears throat> about the Jedi. 
Yeah, that is a good point. And we've come up to this as well. Like, what is common knowledge in the galaxy? What do the people know? What do the people know about Vader? And what do the people know about Luke? Yeah. And their relationship and also the Jedi and the Sith? What do they know about it all? I and mean, we've got our own answers to these questions. Obviously, through Rey, we know that she knows that the Jedi exists because Luke Skywalker is a legend in the galaxy. That yeah. makes sense. I think that's quite fair, you mm. know, in the, in the tales of the, oh, who conquered the Empire? Oh, this Jedi, Luke. Oh, what's a Jedi? Actually, when you think about it, kind of funny that line she says in the Last Jedi. They're they're you know people who make things float yeah, and have lightsabers yeah. and stuff. It's like yeah, you know, on a rudimentary level, that's what a lot of people. It kind of would, would make sense that think. that's what you think the yeah, Jedi yeah. is. But even then, I think that's you know, I want to I want to take it even further down. Oh, like, absolutely, the common also, knowledge on the outer rim within canon. Here's something I do think they got wrong. Okay, was the idea that Ray knew Luke as the Jedi right. who stopped the Empire. In canon, he's known as the pilot. The ace pilot. Oh, yeah. The yeah. ace yeah, yeah, yeah. pilot. Yeah. Fair enough. That took down the Death Star. And then walked into, into the second Death Star and then and came out alive whilst carrying Darth least, Vader. Like, carrying, yeah, the Imperial officers, if they'd managed to escape in that hangar, would have seen him dragging it and it's like, the Emperor's dead. Man, I'd be fucking scared shitless of Luke's Who is this guy? Yeah. He's yeah. more just seen as, like a, like, a soldier. Like, more of a war hero. Yeah, so very similar, obviously. Like, we don't, you know, we don't know what the galaxy thinks about them, but my... Second point is, yeah, the Younglings and the the Academy is non-existent. It's just, they wrote it out of the story. They didn't want it to be a part of their sequel story. And especially, like, JJ, he was like, we want Luke to be a failed hermit on a, on a backwater planet kind of thing. Or on the, the first Jedi planet, ostensibly. But they never even, like, really dive into what that means and why he was there, what the purpose was. Because he didn't even start the Jedi Temple on that planet, did he? No, he started on a completely different one, the one that we see in uh, Mando. Yeah. yeah, it's like this bamboo planet. Yeah, and that's the one where he had his temple, yeah. where the children were that got burnt down and stuff yeah. like that and then you know because so in, in canon he spent a great deal of time trying to find jedi and sith artifacts and or mainly jedi artifacts and learning more about the jedi and yeah. through finding things which he did and you see all that stuff in last jedi of course we don't know what it is the secret jedi text that's and then eventually finds arc 2 as well yeah so he's gone exploring finding sith artifacts jedi artifacts He's found Arc 2, which is the original Jedi planet, but it there's no implications of what this means to the story. That should have huge implications yeah. on his character and his understanding of the Force and the Jedi and all of their ancient history, um, but it doesn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the fact that he finds that place to escape, it's like, you could have picked anywhere. And if you're going to find that place and you find those texts, you're going to fucking read those texts. Even like, just the choice. Just thinking about it this way. Yeah. He fails as a Jedi Master. All of his younglings either die or flee away from Kylo Ren, who is also his biggest failure. And then his decision to escape and hide away from the galaxy is to go to the first Jedi planet. I think it's because it's like he wants to, he as the last Jedi, he wants to die, let the Jedi die with him where it began. I guess. He's, he's a very sentimental so, guy. It feels like kind of contradictory it at does. the same time. It feels contradictory, oh, yeah. yeah. It's Strange. It's a weird choice. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And now we go into the segment where we list other planets that would have been better to escape to. Here we go. Dagobah. <laughs> no, they're going to do Dagobah. They're going to cop no. out. But on your point, Sandro, the, the Luke sacred texts. What, what even? It's one of those things that really bugs me about The Last Jedi because he's so obsessed with them and yet he hates the Jedi Order and he yeah. wants to not be a part of it. He wants to let it die. I've got a bit of a pitch for sacred texts, but that's down the line. Later? So oh, yeah. No, as a, as a fix and stuff. But it, 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 the, it, the, as we see it in the movies, it's just silly. It makes so, no sense that you'd read these scriptures that would be so true to the good of the Jedi and be like, this needs to be destroyed. What needed to be destroyed was this, what the Jedi became by the end of Revenge of the Sith. Which was yeah. destroyed. Which was destroyed. Yeah, in a sense, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but like the sacred Jedi text wouldn't, would be so vastly different. It would be about peacekeeping. It would be more about giving into your emotions, I would feel. It, like we're talking about texts that are written generations, generations, thousands of years back. 
Yeah. You before. think they would be less monastic and, and stringent with their kind of doctrine? I feel like... <laughs> in terms like, of, like, you're allowed to feel a bit more and... I feel so. Or, at the very least, I feel like Luke would teach it that way anyway. Yeah. He's he's the compassionate Jedi, you know? He's the, he's the emotional Jedi, as we've previously established. I'd like to think that he overcame... And I did, like, lots of research on this this week. One of the shortcomings of the, the Jedi in the times of the prequels was, like, the fact that, you know, the stuff with emotions is open to interpretation. There's yeah. a few different, you know, ideas of what it should be. Is it, you know, the outright suppression and therefore... Yeah, you know? this idea of, like, mastery of emotions. Yeah, or is it more... And this is where I think Luke would more align with. It's I think it's the fact that it's, like, definitely, you know, care about people. Uh, yeah, sure, rejoice in the, them becoming the Force. But I think it's more just knowing it's, like, okay, so someone has died and that makes you really sad and just knowing how to, like, be at peace. Not yeah. to suppress things. Feel the emotions. It's human. It's natural. Yeah. Once you shut it out and you try to refuse it, that's when, you know, some sort of, like, resentment and anger It's the difference between, in. yeah, shutting out emotions, like, the goal is to be emotionless or as opposed to accepting and moving through them Absolutely. in a healthy way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other problems with the Jedi as we see them in the sequels, force ghosts can't affect the real world. Okay. I like it though. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's awesome. But it it's goes really against, cool, but it's, it goes against everything. Everything they say in Empire Strikes Back, if you go, you know, fight Vader, I can't interfere mm. because he can't, he can't, can't do it. See, I don't like Luke lifting the X-Wing out of the water in Rise of Skywalker, yep. but I do love Yoda summoning lightning because it's a part of the natural world and it feels connected in a way. The thing is that when they go to become the force, one yeah. with the force, they are part of the cosmic force. They know they no longer have a bridge to the life force. So they can't, they just can't do, they can talk I thought to that people wasn't true. I thought world. they, because if you're in the cosmic force, that's it. You're not like connected to anything. But if you are a force ghost, you still are like retaining your consciousness. You, you retain the, sentience, the but it doesn't mean you're to like to do stuff okay i think it's cool you just i don't know you're not I, you're, I you're not you're not, you're not there yeah, you cool. can't do things there yeah do lightning in your own realm <laughs> go to your cosmic force realm and make some lightning you want to make some lightning as cool as it is but i i think it's incredibly cool and it's incredibly funny and i think incredibly wholesome moment i sent like our group chat the video the other day of mark hamill walking onto the oh, set it's beautiful seeing with, yoda for the first time yeah. in years and like frank Oz is under there and he's um, like talking to him in the voice and that, <laughs> yeah. that's how he walks in the set is he was greeted by yoda first and then frank Oz. it's so beautiful and it's lovely and it, yeah it's a beautiful moment it's a beautiful moment getting to see like a puppet yoda again as yeah. well but it's one of those things that we get in the sequels where it's it's a moment that feels right. But, but if you think about it. When you think about it and you look at the context of everything else, it kind of just like makes no sense. My final point is Luke forswore the Jedi Order and the teachings of the Jedi. What does this tell us about his relationship to the Force? So there's it's just a big question mark for me. Why did he forswear the teachings of the Jedi after losing his temple and losing uh, Kylo Ren or losing Ben Solo? So I think we spoke about this in the, the Luke episode. It's, it just, it, it makes no sense. You, like None of us really believe that he would ever do that. No. <laughs> Just because um, it's Luke, you know. His, his first step in, you know, wanting to learn more. So, you know, he defeats uh, Palpatine, defeats Vader, needs to establish a new Jedi Order, learn as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Talk to Yoda, talk to um, um, Ben Obi-Wan. Kenobi. Yeah. And I think I, you know, this is well, this is starting to border on to the new segment, but I think that he would he would take the mistakes that, you know, they made in the height of their power and acknowledge, okay, that is a real great time for them. What are the Jedi really about? What was the 20,000 years about? Let's look at that. All right. Well, I think that leads us perfectly into yeah. Article 2. What would we do different? Our fixed pitches for our rewrite of the sequel trilogy. Who wants to start? Melo, you seem very keen. I am very keen. I want to I want to jump back a little bit in time, okay? So I want to talk about the galaxy for a sec. So we've spoken about bit before but about you know what, what you know about the jedi and your your opinions in particular on the jedi depends on your circumstance if you were a person who has seen vader or the inquisitors in action if you're aware that they are 
Because a lot of people didn't even know that they were Jedi. Yeah, what do you even know them as? But say you do. Say you know them as like, oh, they're evil Jedi. No one knows what a Sith is. And they're like, evil Jedi, man, I hate the Jedi. Or or if it's, you know, you saw that and then you see Luke, this guy who brandishes a lightsaber, who's who other people call a hero. And you're like, no, the last time I saw someone do that, they killed all my family. No, thanks. And then flip side, Luke saves you and your planet. It's like, oh, cool, a hero. But here's the thing. So we've been talking a lot in, in our, edition of, our idea about the, the cleansing of knowledge, the cleansing of, of, from the Empire. When mm-hmm. the Empire is destroyed of, of doing this uh, scorched earth policy, trying to destroy knowledge. There is a limit, though, to exactly what Palpatine can destroy. because, And we, we know this from A New Hope itself. Because he can't destroy a first-hand perspective. Exactly. No matter. Yeah. Luke's right. generation, out in Tatooine himself, knows that the Clone Wars was a thing that happened. Ah. He knows that the Jedi Knights were a thing. Han even knows that people believe in the Force. Yeah. He doesn't you know, initially believe in himself. Older generations would actually remember the Jedi. And if you didn't live in key imperial space where you're not, you know, brainwashed to, you know, just forget those villains. You have who... like people like Din Djarin who like people yeah. that have had the Clone Wars critically affect their lives yeah. because it was a galactic wide war. Exactly. Yeah. The fact that Din doesn't know what the Jedi are and Mandalorian is very, it's ridiculous. Very stupid. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but oh, that's, that's the thing. Funny. It's like you can't erase time and memories and, yeah, first-hand knowledge. Um, you can still try and create all that confusion and stuff like that. I never thought about that, how he directly experienced the Clone Wars as a kid but doesn't know who the Jedi are. Yeah. So, so that like, is Especially weird. when you consider then he's then a foundling for Mandalorian. Yeah, who were Huge very... part of Mandalorian culture. <laughs> yeah. yeah the Mandalorian culture, even like their culture and history, yes. But even in that war were directly you know, tied to the Jedi mm. and had relations with the Jedi. So that's my jumping off point is, 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 is the fact of like knowledge. It's, it's, you know, in this, this time now, it's a bit, bit more time has passed. It is, it's your individual experience. And if you're older, you still do remember it a time. And I think, you know, one of Luke's great goals would be about reestablishing this narrative. Yeah. What, like to, to the galaxy of who they are, what their objective is, what their message is. Telling the galaxy, like, yeah. Yeah. Trying to change that narrative, trying to change that story. Absolutely. Uh, I think and s- reverse some of the propaganda. Yeah. I feel like a safe rule of thumb is, and uh, we get a little bit, I, I like this because we get a little bit in in Fallen Order when you first, like, meet Marin or a time, you get to a point where you're talking to Marin. Fallen Order, spoilers, by the way. It's been out long enough. It's been out long enough. Where she's like, oh, it was an, a killer brandishing one of these and she's holding Cal's lightsaber. Yeah. Came and slaughtered all of, like, my, my whole village and she held great resentment towards it. She's referencing General Grievous. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, a good rule of thumb is that because the Force is such a undescribable, unlike thinkable thing to some people you know especially in a galaxy where you got like people with flamethrowers on their arms yeah a bunch of other ridiculous things the force is kind of just something you see and it's like well what what could that be it's up for interpretation what isn't up for interpretation is a fucking lightsaber <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, a village and youngling slaying lightsaber so it's safe to say if somebody sees somebody with a lightsaber the general assumption is that it's it's a jedi okay okay it's and because the sith are a lot more rare and have been a lot more rare for a long time I think that was something that it was like a thing in the High Republic. I'm not sure if it's like old canon or if it if it's legends now, but they never liked using their lightsabers. It was always it was more of an ornamental piece okay. in the High Republic. It was yeah. like used as last resort. Yeah, yeah. it's it's for defense. Yeah, in, in a lot, you know, you try and negotiate your way out of it. That's why um, there's like some cool stuff about Dooku canon where like he was kind of obsessed with the the lightsaber techniques like fighting styles and he built his hilt to be like more proficient at fighting and it yeah. was kind of like shunned at the time because they were in that high republic era where it's like yeah oh, he would have is- been like raised in that high republic era where it was a very much a time of peace and there wasn't any brewing conflict yeah. i've got a bit more on luke 
so I see the purpose of his life as, as not only being, you know, as it was in the original trilogy, redeem his father, help defeat the Sith, uh, but now about ensuring the longevity of his his family, the longevity of the Jedi and their presence in the galaxy and spreading that, and ensuring that a figure like Palpatine cannot be allowed to return. And I think that's a very tall order. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very heavy burden that he carries. I've got some more pictures on his, like, sort of new Jedi order. Yeah, that's something we're very I interested think to talk about. Yeah. Luke would be less obsessed. Oh, wait, are we in the pitching area? Yep, pitching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Forgetting which area we're in. I feel like Luke would be less obsessed with the history of the Jedi past the Jedi text. In the canon we currently have, he goes off on adventures and he looks for, like, old Sith artifacts and whatnot. I just don't see him... Mainly Jedi. I, I, I feel like Sith... And I want to like say that Mainly that's... Jedi artifacts. Yeah, yeah. But I just... I don't see him being so obsessed with that, especially if he's trying to build a new order. I see what you mean. And I have a sort of pitch to, to, to fill that gap in the story because I very much see Luke's number one focus is building the Jedi Academy of Jedi Order. Yeah. And number two focus, maybe, diving into some of that history and wanting to learn and recuperate some of the history knowledge. The person who can do that, though, not Luke, Law Santeca, with a Jedi acolyte character we've talked about a lot, I feel like fit, perfectly fits that gap. I came up with an idea of like how he sort of gets that history, and it still involves the Jedi text. Okay. Wasn't involving Law Santeca. I do think that's really interesting. I'll yeah. spitball my pitch right now. Go for it. And we're going to change. We're going to go back in time. We're going to go <laughs> all the way back in time. Wow. We're going past the sequels. We're Whoa. going past the original trilogy. Is that, oh is that, we're going is that, all the way back. Is that Nick Cage as Superman? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 that was very, very We're going good. past Nick Cage's Superman, and we're going all the way back to Return of the Jedi. Wait, no, Dinosaur's gone too far. No, wait, no, not Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Revenge That's where it. we're going. Okay. So 2005. Oh, but... my God. Look at all these jeans. Oh, my God. <laughs> all this denim. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and in Revenge of the Sith, yep. we see Obi-Wan and Yoda retaking, for maybe a very short period, the Jedi Temple, killing all the clones, and sending out a warning message of, don't fucking come here. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, a yeah. Trap. Yeah. Yeah. it's a um, trap. It's a trap. And whilst there, I think it would make it only makes sense that they would take some of the artifacts, the okay. some of the stuff that are very crucial to the Jedi Order. So they leave with the ancient Jedi texts. Okay. And Luke finds them in Obi-Wan's hut. Very similar to how, like, the old lore, I'm not sure if it's still the current lore, where he finds the lightsaber pieces from Obi-Wan's hut, and that's how he makes Well, yeah, I think it's, he, he definitely finds, like, a chest of stuff left for yeah. Luke in it when he goes back, and then Boba Fett's there. <laughs> yeah. Fight in his hut, and he manages to get away with it. Wow, yeah. well, there you go. Um, and yeah, he's got his journal, and I think in, in one of his journals, he details how to build a lightsaber, which is why Luke's in canon lightsaber is so similar, similar to Obi-Wan's. Obi oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Um, so that is canon. Yeah. Nice. And yeah, I feel like it would just make sense that he'd also find ancient Jedi texts there. Because if he had some text, yeah. I like that idea. I think that's a good way to kind of tie it together. But I think that might be a, a good jumping off point for Luke where it's like, here's the extent of what the Jedi Archive was. Here's the thousands of years of information uh, and history that we had in this repository of knowledge that was destroyed. And here's like the, the level of knowledge you could potentially dive into if you began to, to, to research. Cause I don't think maybe like one book, you know, he's like, Oh, this is cool. This is a cool. I was more book. just thinking like the amount that he has in. Yeah. So that like little stack of like books that seems reasonable to max. me, but I still yeah. feel like there's that potential within the story. And especially for a character like Law Santeca to be, you know, intermittently leaving the Jedi temple and coming back with more information and more history because it's him and Luke and that's it who know the history of the Jedi order and are a part of that culture and that religion and want to create it and bring it back into the world and the mm. galaxy. What I do really like about, yeah, Law Santeca. Um, and if you're yeah. not sure, Law Santeca is the old guy at the start of Force Awakens yeah, who just gets killed. in canon yeah. is a Jedi acolyte. But yeah, yeah, he's part of the, the Church of the Force, which yeah. one of my favorite new things they had in canon because it's in Rogue One as well. That's 
nice word. It's also in Jedi Survivor, the yeah. new Jedi game that came yeah. out. There's like a, a big cult. Not it's not a cult, but yeah. <laughs> it's like a religious group and they're non force users, but they yeah. still believe in the force. Yeah. And two members in um on Oh god, what was that planet? The one that gets blown up in, in... Jeddah. Jetta, yep. Um, yep. You know, Base Malbus and Chirrut in way they're a part of the Church of the Force. Yes. And, and I want to say, I love the idea of a Force acolyte. Yeah. Yeah. Church of the Force, I hate the name. Like it's it. a shit name. Oh, okay. that is Give a it a new name. name. Yep, sorry, Rogue One, that's a shit what, name. What? Sorry, Gary Wooder. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a new name. It's called uh, uh, The Hut. I don't know. Uh, it's called, we're members of The Hut. The Hut. Uh, the Hut, yeah. <laughs> the Hut. They, they have their, their little, it's not a church. One. The it's hut. a hut. Yeah. And they've got a space <laughs> podcast. I like the idea of the Church of the Force, that there yeah. were people who were like, oh, the Jedi are all gone. Nah, fuck that. We're going to find a way. We still believe that yeah. you know, there is this force of good out there. And that actually ties into um, one of my key things that I wanted to talk about. The idea, and like thematically, I, I always talk about thematically on the show what I want to do with some of the elements. Obviously, I want the First Order to be Nazis, because they are. And the New Republic is kind of our democracy as it stands right now, especially, you know, we see a lot of the stuff in the United States and what happens over there. I want the Jedi Order and the Force and all that to be this beacon of hope. This idea that there can be peace and happiness and comfort within the galaxy. That's the goal for me. I imagine like Force Acolytes, that would work with Law Tekka being less like I have to believe in every word of scripture kind of thing. And yeah. they're more like geeky architects that are like, oh, we just want to reclaim this history and we want to find all this architects, history. Archaeologists? Yes, archaeologists. Did <laughs> yeah. I say no, architects? No. architects I, yeah. They build cool temples They make too. fucking good temples. Yeah, they make, <laughs> they make awesome temples. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this guy is so fucking brain dead because he's just working on set all the time. We can't tell you what set. It's an Australian production that's shooting right now. Uh, yeah. And he's just working full time. And he's every time I talk to him, he's like, uh, I'm like half alive right now. This is all my life energy is like, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, all right, we'll as get up, much as I get can up push at 9am to come into this fucking podcast. As much as I can unleash in an hour of recording. Exactly. And then I go back to being a corpse. So these space architects did a great job building the temples. And then, you know, what you're, you're saying about Law Senteco. Yeah, no, I, I think the people working with Law Senteco would obviously still believe. They would um, be less re religious zealots and more nerds and archaeologists yeah, who nerds. are really interested in the history. They, yeah, they just want to find the history. They okay. want to reclaim this lost history. A lot of stuff was destroyed after like this Operation Syndic-esque thing that we, we've been talking about. And if the Empire got word of these little sects of this sex, S-E-C-T-S. Yes. Uh, sex. 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 <laughs> sex so if yeah, the Empire uh, found out people were having sex. <laughs> okay, actual spoiler warning for Jedi Survivor. This is the more recent Jedi game that came out. They actually explore that exact yeah, concept right. in the game. And then where, they try and shut it down. Where, where Vader tries to find like the, yeah. this, this temple. Yeah, and we won't say Jedi. anything more because... Mello needs to play the fucking game. Mello does need to play game. these fucking games. It's so the good. Anyways, we're, talk we're talking too much about video games now. <laughs> okay, so I think we're all in alignment with the idea that, you know, Luke would see, okay, what's one of the real shortcomings of what happened to the Jedi? Yes. Okay, they, shortcoming yeah. of the Jedi Order and the fall of the, the Republic. Yeah, they linked themselves to the Republic. Fuck that. Don't okay, do that. So Don't link does that to mean politics? that yeah. we think that the Jedi should be an independent force of peacekeeping wizards who live in the galaxy yes. and are not tied to the government. Yeah, and yeah. that's okay. where the key form of conflict with the galaxy versus the Jedi and Ben versus the Jedi can come in. Okay, what do, what do you mean by that? Okay, so one there would be a great, you know, debate, maybe not an actual debate, but great, you know, top uh, point of interest in, in the uh, Senate to be like, you know, okay, so the Jedi are currently operating freely without permission in New Republic space, doing their own thing. When we call on them, they won't act. And if they if they deem it not worth, this is very when much we, uh, shades of Avengers Civil War. Yeah, and when we don't call <laughs> on them, they'll go act anyway when they see fit. Yeah, they no, can't like, just be allowed to do that. The government that. wants jurisdiction over this powerful group of space wizards, and that's yeah, that's actually what aligned the Jedi with the Republic 
initially in the first place. Because they're like, here's this huge galactic war. We need your help kind of thing. Is that? No, more of just like you're operating in these, you're operating independently, bringing peace and you're like, you're disrupting like sort of like how our flow kind of goes. Yeah, No, yeah, our stupid bureaucratic chain of delay. There needs to be like conversation and there needs to be organization and they saw that as an advantage because they thought they could unify these two forces to make right. a high republic to make this like beautiful time of peace okay no, this is very much bit. building to a big question from me but mellow yeah so i'm saying thought. no to that and okay. then with that i think you know there would be a real point of conflict for ben yeah i think ben would see you know the uh, trying to spread peace it would be about peaceful resolution of things. So, so if there's if there's, there's this thing happening and Ben sees that in the galaxy, he's like, "We've got to, we can't do." I'm 20. Nothing. I know how to use my lightsaber. I want to go out and do it. Yeah, and it's patience. It's there is yeah, a right way to do this. If you see bad things happening, it, you don't stop. Yeah, it, you feel guilty. And it's key that Luke is not inactive. His approach to situations is completely different. But you know that the con- cause for conflict for but Ben. But his there. ideology is like against the current state of things. Like Ben thinks we should be doing more to act, and the the reality is that the New Republic is very new and they're hesitant to let that happen is that what you're saying i think luke is so focused on bringing the reputation of the jedi back like a positive state that he's even scared to act on it in case something bad happens in case they see it as like a threat or they see it as the jedi disrupting the sort of state of affairs and in which case it would just like ruin their reputation even more don't know if i can agree okay what is your take because i'm still very confused about what you're trying to say My, my take is that the jedi do what they want Okay. When when Luke seems he's wiser now, when he deems it that you know we need to maintain peace here, the okay. Jedi will act. Is that causing conflict with the New Republic? Yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah, because okay. they're, they're doing it and without telling they're doing without right asking now. questions. So yeah. it's basically yeah. to me, it would seem like Luke and Ben are doing that. It's them too, because no one else is old enough to be doing that. I've also changed the timeline. Well, no, I I think that there are still some people who are perhaps not outside of the range, the, the age range of being able Somewhere to Somewhere like help. 14, 15, 16. Around yeah, there. I think, you know, they'd find an agreeable age where Luke's able to be like, yeah, fuck it, kid. You're you, old enough. You can, you can come. You, you can come into danger now yeah. because it's not danger because it's peaceful. I mean, if they're a know? Padawan, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility, you know, for like 15 years yeah. old, 16 years old. You know, I'm, I'm so like... happy to keep Ben as the oldest. I just, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. there can be someone a year younger than him. Okay. I'm just not sure. I feel like it would still be like that partner system, that master and apprentice kind of system. Yeah. I don't see him just sending out Padawans yeah. to go resolve problems. Not sending Padawans. I think he'd have to lead it off himself. I don't think that he has the luxury of just having himself and one apprentice. He's got to be the master for yeah. all of these people. At the moment, he's trying to reestablish. That's true. There so. are no other Jedi masters. He has to be the master to all of yeah. these young Padawans. Yeah, so yeah. how about a strength in numbers thing? We're just like, okay, there's, there's, you know, there's bickering between Whenever we roll up, we roll up as a, as a squad. It's like four of them, <laughs> you know? It's a squad of like, young Jedi and, and one old man. And, and he yeah, uses all it these as like a teaching lesson. Okay. Like he's taking like two or three each each time to yeah. resolve a conflict. Ah. And he's still doing the main work as okay. a master would. Mm. But he's just like... But he's got like three, you know, uh, assistants, interns, you might say, yeah. <laughs> coming along to watch the, the work go down. Yeah, yeah exactly. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Unpaid um, interns, just like sitting there. Okay. Yeah. And then... Giving him coffee and stuff. Yeah. One of the other quick things I'll say about Ben, so he's like, so yes, so he doesn't like that all the time. He doesn't like that there. Maybe he sees him as slow to act. He just wants to go in guns blazing, bit of a Han Solo-esque type. The other one would be in, I think, had the idea that Luke has the mistakes of the Jedi at the heart of their power in the prequels at the forefront of teaching and the learning from your mistakes thing. And I think that Ben would struggle with that because he would want to maybe see, or he'd either see those Jedi as weak because that then, you know, led to their downfall, or he'd want to be like, no, Jedi have to be perfect. I cannot allow room for mistakes. And that really would be motivated by the fact that he is, is the person who has an immense feeling of pressure. You know, we've spoken about that, that, that mm. expectation on him before. 
Well, we are talking a lot about Ben. Uh, I do want to focus on Luke and the Jedi and Luke's perspective. So I like when you're talking about like his teachings and he putting at the forefront this idea of, uh, you know, here's how the Jedi failed in the old old days. Yeah. And here's what we're going to do different kind of thing. I like that. This does lead me to a very big question, though. So what we've set up now, what we've been talking about for a bit, is this idea that the Jedi for a thousand years maintained peace by being independent from the government, right? They were just a force of peacekeeping wizards no 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 for the, so for the when he says for the past thousand years okay that thousand years is high republic, high republic. they were not independent oh so before that they were independent from yeah so like nineteen thousand years so yeah so, okay yeah. so ninety thousand yeah. years yeah. of peace and it wasn't exact peace it wasn't exact yeah. there's like there's, wars in extended law well in, stuff, in right? extended laws there's a bunch of wars there's sith wars there's mandalorian wars there's so much war and canon has nothing so it's not like they were keeping exact peace before I think that's important that you just said that canon has nothing because I don't think that the message and the final result should be that the Jedi should be separate from the government as a force of peacekeeping wizards who act independently because that is something that could never happen in the real world and I want there to be some uh, kind of uh, link up thematically and message wise of like here's what the Jedi represent and here's why they succeed at the end of our story because I, I just don't, I don't see how that matches with this idea of them being separate from the government I think when you, when you talk about thematically how things should line up and I've been thinking about this a lot I'm not sure exactly where and this is the purpose of this episode is to figure out where exactly yeah. our Jedi order aligns I think and we talked about how the the idea of a great Jedi is not really canon, but it's sort of what we're gunning for, that idea of balance for Rey at the end of the trilogy. Yeah, and balance of the Force and balance And of I think galaxy. Luke's closer to getting there than the previous Jedi were. Okay, yeah, I agree. I think fundamentally what should make a good Jedi is um, the words that Obi-Wan gives Luke right after Amperu and Uncle Owen die, when he's trying to decide whether he should go out, go towards the Death Star, save Princess Leia, or whether he should stay at home live his life on the farm and he tells luke you must always do what you feel is right i don't know that seemed like a loaded statement from him in that moment it seems like you <laughs> it's must do definitely right, a loaded statement from him but i think the phrase in itself translates the idea that there is always friction there is always going to be a force that you have to fight but it's your choice really whether you can go and face it or not my thing is big picture wise because that's individual that's like an individual human to human Big picture, there is a massive galactic government mm -hmm. and a potential force of peacekeeping wizards. How do these two things intertwine? How do they mesh together? And can they? Is there a possible way that it works? They have. And it okay, failed. and quickly, just quickly, I don't have an answer to this. This is something I've been struggling with in the writing. I, I, I struggle trying to answer the question because they did it. It failed. Yeah. And the whole story was a story of corruption. Yes. Well, why wouldn't you try to learn from yeah, why no, would I you agree. Why would you repeat that mistake? Melo, you got anything? Yeah, I do. Um, one of them's wrong. <laughs> what do you mean one of them's wrong? One of those two things is wrong. If it's a question of, you know, big government or this, you know, this group who spread peace right. and, and morals, uh, and not to make this a whole government versus religion, <laughs> because I will separate the Jedi from religion in this instance. It's, you know, I like the idea that, yeah, they do represent morals. Morals are a good thing. I think that, yeah, the the Jedi should be, there, there's, there's the message in terms of that. The Jedi transcend stupid government shit. See, I don't like that because, and I don't want to be contrarian. This is just a yeah. very difficult topic to be it constructive is. because I, it's just so nebulous. But that's going to read because the Jedi is straight up a symbol for religion. If you if you say that, if we write that into a script, people yeah. will be like, oh, so religion is better than government. <laughs> that's how that reads symbolically, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, I know. And maybe we need to make some sort of separation I there and evolution of the Jedi. Just, but Morals. Never. I, I haven't seen it like that. I see the religious aspect yeah. purely coming from places of faith and not 
really anywhere else. No, but it's a large faction. It is a huge organization of people who come together and say, here's this religion we believe in, and here's what we're going to do to enforce that religion on the galaxy. I mean, you can say the same thing about politics. That's No, that's my point. And how do these massive groups like come together? And, have, and cooperate because we've seen it fail. Have we seen it succeed? Has there been a point where no? What I'm saying is, canon? it's 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 more of an idea of merging, trying to merge two political ideals together, than okay. trying to merge a religion and a political ideal together. You're saying that the Jedi are more of a political faction in this sense, if they're a large group. I think when you're talking about them on the wider scale as a like a peacekeeping the organization, Jedi, the Jedi that we see in the High Republic, like yeah. the canon Jedi, that's a political faction in your I, mind. When you talk about it of of like an organization that's dedicated to trying to keep peace. Yeah. That's not a religion. That's just a organization. That's just like a political system. Forget how I'm talking about it. I'm talking about how it exists in the higher public. Right. And that's a religion, right? Is that a political faction or a religion? What do you what do you think? I think they they teach like morals in the sense of like of like a very religion esque aspect, but I just I don't know. I don't really see it as a religion. Mello? Maybe that's part of the evolution that we need to make it seem like more than a, a religion. If you've got these people in this trilogy or part of this Church of the Force and people look at them like, I don't know, I want, I, want, I want the Jedi to be able to spread morals without it being this very rigid, you know, Jedi code thing. We haven't even spoken about the Jedi code. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, I would like them to be this shining beacon of hope of good and teaching, you know, these good morals without it being this religious thing because I think that's better in the Star Wars universe than government. I don't see it merging with politics. I'm separate. You want them to be separate. Like, in, in, in this great debate of what's the better way in this Star Wars universe of, you know, and how that relates to real, real world. Oh, you know, yeah, government and, and this sect of, of peacekeepers. Sect of peacekeepers all the way. All right. So we're going to create this, the Jedi and they're going to be the Avengers and they're going <laughs> to gonna operate outside of the, the government. I love it. <laughs> the problem then becomes then how do we end on a system where those can coexist? Exactly. That's my big question. And, and that's the question I do not have an answer to. It's a uh, very this debate. And it's a very valid question. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's tricky stuff. And I don't think we're going to come to an answer today. But there's the beginning of that debate that I'm sure will probably last a very long time until we figure out what we're going to do writing wise. But yeah, I think we can maybe move on to, like you said just now, Melo, the Jedi Code and, what yeah. we, and our interpretation of that. The Jedi Code. Anyone know the Jedi Code? No. No. It oh, was, I, I read it once. It was on like the poster for Attack of the Clones or something. I actually don't have it up right now. It's on the poster for Attack of the Clones. I think it was on the poster of the we'll Attack Mello, of the Clones. We'll let Melo cook. He's it was like, you know, it's like, the code. it's like tranquility, not anger. Or and then there's a Sith shit. version that's very similar, uh, but it flips it all. And yeah. Reverse kind of thing. And makes it like a dark, like oh, a yeah. version. You guys try and vamp for a bit. I'll, I'll look up the Z Jedi oh, code. I found it. Never mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's some mantras. Okay, so like, there is no emotion. There is peace. Yeah. There is no ignorance. There is knowledge. There is no passion. There is serenity. There is no chaos. There is harmony. There is no death. There is the Force. I think that's a loaded. I think Luke thing is going to bullshit. Have to throw that out the window if he wants the Jedi to like, yeah. come back. You know? I would. I would love that. I think it's stupid. Um, My thing is though that existed for you know in canon thousands of years as yeah. the Jedi code that they yeah. stuck to. So I think that's the key distinction. Maybe yeah. in his one, he's, he's like when he says there's the a lot new of wrong Jedi order. Yeah. he really means like we're yeah. not following the old code. Let's do, I, I do of, think it the is old, a new order. Yeah, a lot of the old principles and teachings are stuff that worked the good morals the how to train yourself in the force how to yeah. use it how to be one with the force but not this this is the thing that makes it a cult this is yeah. the thing that makes it religious is committing yourself to these words no i agree remove that and you just have this you're this still teaching good morals you and you're still teaching faith in something but yeah. the faith in something isn't inherently trying to be trying to be like this zealotous religious cult trying to teach 
peace and, I think and how to share. There's peace. a key distinction between faith in, in religious things in the real world and faith, the force in Star Wars. We, we're, you know, the force is real. Yes, in Star Wars. It is. It's it's not a thing that you know. It, even I think people... that's another thing I've been coming back yeah. to is that radically changes any form of writing we could do that ties it back to the real world, which we don't have magic here. Yeah, so... and and I'm okay with that separation. Yes, you know, we we don't need to talk separation. About like the... it's good to have separation. You don't always have to have a. Complete doesn't have to have direct. a direct world like analog. It doesn't yeah. have to be like yeah. something match for match. You know, in yeah. our world. So I, I, I totally agree. So I don't when think you do a... that, you fall into that trap of making everything too political. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's a it's a belief versus not belief thing. I think it's a it is a hard fact. So it's like acknowledging the fact or or not acknowledging. Uh, is there anything worth looking at in there though? Um, think? my my note for it was it's all about like no emotion, no passion, all these kinds of things. Stupid. And I think you know that ultimately leads to this combination of the Jedi and politics were intertwined at the end of the High Republic and they fell. Lucas obviously thinks that that was a mistake and a bad thing and led to that fall um, because of that corruption from Darth Sidious. Yeah. But as another part of that, they also rejected emotions and feeling. And it seems to me that Lucas was condemning that. It seems to me that Lucas wasn't the maybe the biggest fan of like, oh, you know, Anakin was supposed to have no emotions yeah. and that's why he became evil. Because yeah. he was manipulated by Darth Sidious. He was like, no, feel, feel your yeah. emotions. And that's the evil part. So, no, I think he was condemning... He's both condemning the teachings of the Jedi for not feeling, but also condemning the way you act on your emotions. So both are bad. Yeah, both are bad. Yeah. yeah. It's like you can like suppress violence and you can still have it build up inside of you. Yeah. But that's only going to unleash a stronger rage. Uh, you know what? I actually fucking love that. I love the idea that Lucas was like, yeah, no, these people are shunning their emotions entirely. And these people are embracing their emotions to the point where they only care about themselves. It's, yep. it's selfishness incarnate. So, that, and that's in the Sith code. If like, if we can read that oh, out. Let's have a look at the Sith code. Yeah. So it goes very similar, but like, like you said, a bit like inverted almost. Yeah. Go to an ad break. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, yeah, I think that's a really interesting take. And I think that's something we've already we kind of landed that we wanted to explore. We get that in like Attack of the Clones when like, there's like that cheesy dialogue between uh, Padme and Anakin where he's like, the Sith are selfish, but the Jedi are selfless to the point of uncaring. Like it's a selfless love. So it's like they found the, it's like the Sith are like, what's the Jedi code again? Oh, let's just do the opposites. Peace is a lie. There is only passion. Wow. Through passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I gain victory. Through victory, my chains are broken. The force shall set me free. I think that's baller as hell. I think they made a very cool version of the of the Jedi code. That's a really that's good, like, we want you to join the Sith. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be free? Yeah. I, mean, I much prefer that code. That's rad. Not that I, like, agree with it. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's that's a cooler code. Man, I being think... so committed to freedom in a really aggressive, hostile way, does that sound familiar I at all? I wonder what that could be similar uh, to. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, that's awesome. <laughs> so obviously we have those two codes and we have this idea that we've had for a very long time now with this rewrite that we want to land on this place of there is a balance between the two. You can feel your emotions and you can make mistakes and you can fail, but you can come back and try and be better and make yourself a better version of yourself than you were yesterday and constantly fight against evil and constantly trying to make the world a better place. And, and that's what the Jedi should represent. I'm curious how you guys feel because I feel like Luke's a step closer to getting there than we've probably ever seen. I mm. agree. And that's why I another thing I wanted to talk about is that episode of The Mandalorian where we see him with Grogu. And I I, the more I think about it, the more I hate it. Yeah, no, it it's awful. Feel like he's made any progress. I remember getting feel like he stepped so mad. The Jedi doctrine. Yeah. yeah, I was so mad. And I wasn't. And I was like, "What are you talking about, Sandra? It's fine." But the, the more we've dived into this, this podcast, and the, talked about it, and it seems like so against his character. 
against like what he would learn to be. Yeah, because he learns to love his father despite everything and then brings him back to the light. Learns forgiveness, moves on like past all of this negativity and then goes right back to her. Anyway, Grogu, hard left or right? <laughs> you know? You, yeah. you tiny baby. <laughs> you, you tiny baby. <laughs> <laughs> he's like 50. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's twice his age. Um, <laughs> okay, so then I've got a, a pitch for you. So if it's like, if the Sith is about, you know, taking those human emotions really leaning into them being selfish doing everything for yourself uh and if the you know the misinterpretation of the jedi stuff is about you know taking what makes you human and just putting that aside are you asking where we want to land i'm saying well i think i'm saying where perhaps we should land we'll see so we'll put this out there see what you guys reckon it's about acknowledging what makes you human acknowledging those emotions acknowledging that you know you're gonna feel those things regardless and it's where it's where it's wiser where it's better for everyone it's learning to be better than them so it's you know in the instance of luke on Dagobah feels his friends in pain it would be the it would be knowing that they're in pain but knowing I'm not ready to help them I want to help them but right now I can't but one day I will be okay that brings me into an interesting thing of uh sources of the force and where you draw that power from I think the idea is that the Sith draw their power from passion and emotion and feeling yeah and that Jedi draw it from like an absence of those it's like harmony and peace and serenity within yourself and then that allows you to manipulate the typically it's um, passion, emotion, and feeling, but all very much directed from a place of great hatred. Hate's a very key word. Okay, yeah. So yeah. that's that. And then with the Jedi, was I mostly on the ball? Yeah, of, yeah. Like you, it's like an absence of emotion almost. Like you have to have peace, and then you can manipulate. Some, yeah, serenity. And I yeah. Don't, and I don't think it's an absence of emotion. I was like, okay, so you're experiencing this emotion. Let's say you know you see you see someone kill one of your loved ones as a Jedi, and so it's it's you know. You're angry. You're angry. You're you're sad. You're in, in great great pain right now, and it's 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 choosing to not kill that person. It's you know okay, they've broken the law. They've done a bad thing. They've killed someone. I must now apprehend them. And it's it's you know I am devastated right now. But the right thing to do is to take this person in, not to kill them. Okay, so that's an interesting interesting point. A lot of the time in the the prequel trilogy, we see this uh, like Anakin and Obi Wan. Obi Wan in particular in like a great amount of distress, but he's able to still call on the light side of the Force using like ostensibly his power of serenity to feel not angry but to be serene in spite of great war in yeah. front of him so yeah this is where I, I, see that of, West I, I see where you're going okay and i kind of want to go the same direction because i was thinking about it thinking about this on the car drives past week obi-wan is sort of when you think about it a reflection of almost a gray jedi he's able to have emotions have feelings feel compassion towards the things around him and still have the peace of mind and restraint to not overreact and not tap into hatred. Yes. So my point is that might be where the Jedi code or where it comes from and why it is the way it is. In order to have such mastery over the, over the force and be able to use it like that, you kind of have to train yourself out of having emotions. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll just end up being a Sith. I do want to do want to say, because I think you guys know, I'm not sure if the audience knows, I fucking love Obi-Wan. I fucking <laughs> oh, yeah. love Obi-Wan yeah, yeah. to the moon. Oh, we know. But whilst I think his uh, reflection through his restraint and his compassion does like sure like does sort of point to him being like a perfect example of a gray jedi where his weakness is is then his belief in the system his belief in democracy and his belief in the jedi order as it was at the yeah. time that's that's where he his is. allegiance is to the republic to democracy <laughs> sorry that was yeah. a very long way of getting to my point that yeah. like, the jedi code might have come from that place of you know 
Yeah. Having no emotion so that they can use the force because it's fucking hard to do. Yeah, which then just feels like a misinterpretation. Yes. You know? So the Jedi Code might be a misinterpretation of what the truth is. Exactly. And if if the Sith Code is if if the dark side and you know the giving into everything is the easy way, and what yeah. you're talking about the absolute absolute suppression of what it means to be human is b- impossible. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. And it seems like you know the. The cost of using it's like we want to use the force at the cost of being like human and feeling human emotions. And, I I feel you know, like this ties back to a theme that we've been talking a lot about already. Of there's always going to be a great darkness, and you always have to find the light within yourself to fight it. And yeah. that's like you see this, and we're gonna have this reflection even by having Sidious come back. There's a bunch of Sidious clones. There's always going to be that evil there, but you have to know how to come back, fight it, not step over that line. And I think this is where the Luke Skywalker of it all comes into it, ignoring all of those things and then delving too much into the things that Bruss is talking about or delving in too far into things that Sandra is talking about. It's like you lose compassion either way. And if you lose compassion, how are you meant to care about fighting for anyone? How are you meant to, you know, do what is right or wrong and try and spread peace because you you stop caring either way. Yeah, it's it's like peace at the cost of being a human. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's like you... It's like ultimate peace. Yeah, you get too selfless, too selfless, and you get too selfish. It's a circle. It's like a political circle. It's like if you go so far around selflessness, you come back to be selfish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's honestly probably why we keep falling on the idea of, like, fear being the thing that corrupts Ben and being, like, a key theme in the first film because it seems like the right way to go because it doesn't really include... It's that selfishness, but it's selfishness towards something that you're compassionate about, fear of losing someone you love. It's too much compassion. This is great. This is heady. I love love this. I I very much enjoy it. I hope this isn't too, like, wishy-washy or anything for the audience. It's absolutely (laughs) wishy-washy, but I'm I'm enjoying it. On this note, then, I have a pitch for the dyad uh, in this trilogy, which is one that I, like, I was delving back through my journal, uh, which I've been taking since, like, October last year, writing Star Wars ideas and stuff like that. Uh, and actually keeping track of dates and times. I had this in December, and I've never brought it up because I think I forgot about it. This is mm-hmm. the problem with making a 33-page document where you just go and write random thoughts in. <laughs> you don't reread it. So I had this idea that the Dyad were, like, the first Jedi. They were a light and a dark, and there was not a soul Jedi. Or that perhaps, you know, like, it, the first Jedi turned to the dark and they had a counterpart in the light to keep them in check. Now, this is not to say that balance means balancing your light and the dark. It's not to say that, you know balance was achieved by having a member in the dark side and a member in the sith but that if you have someone who has gone too far and you have someone in the dark that there is a person there to balance them not in that they're not in conflict but with peace so it's as if to say that you know luke was vader's balance and perhaps that ray could be ben's and a true dyad uh they would be the first true dyad since perhaps the original interesting dyad. and is the idea that she would bring him back to the to the light or that they stay like that light and dark Maybe not even, yeah, maybe not bring him back, maybe not stay light and dark, but, you know, if he, it, it, it begs on the question of, um, you know, like, can, can anyone come back? Because Vader might have come back, but here's the thing, and this is, this is very explicit in the wording uh, that Yoda says when he's training Ben and Dagobah, Yoda doesn't actually believe that redemption is possible. If oh. once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny? No, yeah, Yoda's still kind of locked into a lot of the more radical views of what the Jedi are, even yeah. when he's in Dagobah. I think a lot of what he teaches in Dagobah is some of the most profound and like greatest things to look at when looking at what the true ideals of what the Force is. Yeah. But there's some stuff where he's like, no, you're a dark side, there's there's no good, you are yeah. lost. I, what I find really interesting about that is, yeah, through his compassion, Ben was right. 
Ben was wiser. Uh, so not Obi-Wan? Ben. Sorry, oh, sorry. Through his compassion, Luke was right. Luke was wiser than Yoda. Oh, he proved Yoda, Yoda wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah, I redeemed Vader and then Vader died. Which, by the way, as a writing decision, is perfect. Yeah. If you have someone who's that evil, you can redeem them and then kill them immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. <laughs> That's a good way to Would write. Have been a whole like can of whoop ass. But if you mess, and if they tried to do that in Rise of Skywalker with Ben when they bring him back, he's like, hey, but he'd he's a good guy. A bunch of people, exactly. And he's he was guy. on Starkiller Base, and then they killed him, which ostensibly is a good writing decision. But they made him cool and likable in that last kind of half hour yeah. section of the movie, which is a bad writing decision. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so if it were the case of Ray and Ben, if you know, it's like okay, so Ben has gone to the dark side. Maybe it's that. Maybe Yoda kind of is right that it's like you know there will always be a darkness within him okay but so long as he has an equal to keep him in check essentially he will never go to sway too far out of balance maybe just leapfrogging over to the chosen one thing real quick okay yep um because i put some thought into that we haven't even oh god i feel we like we haven't touched the chosen one jump in i know i just like i feel like the the idea of the chosen one is when they reference the idea of balance it's someone finding great balance within themselves luke does this by fighting vader and saving vader teetering over that line but finding control finding restraint finding compassion yeah and balance within himself and that's what a yeah that's what just what a true jedi should do not a gray jedi just like an actual proper jedi the jedi as we see that see them and how we believe they should be yeah and yeah. that and in that moment in um the original trilogy in return of the jedi i feel like for me that's like the ultimate moment of like this is what a true jedi looks like is this is redeeming vader and he throws his lightsaber down yeah. and he just yeah. looks at the emperor and he's like this, this is, is it, bitch. <laughs> I'm a true Jedi, like my father before me. Deal yeah. with it. Yeah. Very cool. Quick thing on the Chosen One. Okay, yeah, so, Chosen like, stuff. We can delve into that for a quick sec. I, I've, I've said it before on this show, but maybe the audience doesn't know the actual prophecy. Do we want to know the Chosen One prophecy? Have we read it out on the I show? I feel like we've read it out on the show On the before. test episode we did. Ah, no, let's do it. Uh, yeah, okay. okay. Uh, as revealed in Master and Apprentice, the, that book from 2019, only through sacrifice of many Jedi will the Order cleanse the sin done by the Nameless. The danger of the past is not past, but sleeps in an egg. When the egg cracks, it will threaten the entire galaxy. When the force itself sickens, the past and future must split and combine. A chosen one shall come, born of no father, and through him will ultimate balance in the force be restored. So there's a lot of stuff that obviously I think, you know, I, I read some analysis that's like, oh, here's the clone army. Here's, yeah, yeah. Um, Palpatine. You know, Anakin Sith. born to, to yeah. no father kind of yeah. stuff. Anything else I'm missing? Oh, no, yeah. Like, so, you know, Sacrifice Man Jedi would be done with the sin of the nameless, like probably Palpatine. When the egg cracks, it'll threaten the entire galaxy. That's probably the Sith. The Force com- sickens itself. Uh, that's when the Force, you know, becomes unbalanced. And then the, the one that always confused me was like the past and the future must split and combine. Like, is that talking about like the generations of the Skywalkers, like Luke and Vader combining yeah. to defeat Palpatine? You know, like. I'm going to draw some really thin string. Okay. Right. Based off. We're going to have to make a new corkboard off that analysis. Yeah. Really, real thin strings right in like tiny little corkboard inside your corkboard. Lightning yeah. round, Sandra. We're at the end of the show. We've got to wrap okay. it up. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're right. I think the pro- prophecy of the chosen one, based off that and based off what I just said of somebody who finds those ideals of what a perfect Jedi is, does not have to be one person. I think a ch- you can be a chosen one by finding the true ideals of what a Jedi is. I think Luke is a chosen one just as much as Vader is a chosen one by the end of the film overcoming that great darkness both born without a father if you think about it why without why is i mean without a father? technically yeah <laughs> yeah because he didn't have you know his father around you know he was raised by his aunt and also the idea of anakin skywalker is already dead when Ana- when anakin dies oh when yeah. vader is born vader right interesting no that is actually that's if you re- if you want like to draw read. some really thin strings i like that read i that's like fun. that read. Yeah. um which is funny because in canon like they still say anakin is the chosen one and george lucas himself is like no anakin they do yeah 
and and obviously this would be just be like fuck Kemen, but <laughs> um, I the idea of like anyone can find that balance within themselves, I think, is also a good message. Um, and I think Ray can also fulfill that ideal of finding her chosen one just as much as Ben can. Interesting. Yeah. I actually really like that. And my final note is that I read a lot of fantasy books and the best prophecies are the ones that are one, ambiguous, and yeah. two, can be read a lot of different ways. Yeah. Those are the best prophecies. So having one clear answer to a prophecy, JK Rowling, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no. no, I agree. I Neville. Think it's a, it's it a, was Neville the whole no, time. I just realized that it's it's Harry or Neville. They it's, a, it's, it's a great prophecy. Um, it's yeah. a, It sounds a bit pompous. Yeah. From that. The crack of an egg. Yeah. Two times. The, the galaxy will, will split in twain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit wild, but uh, yeah, it's it's a good prophecy because it's so vague and it, it keeps people. I like the idea of us writing in a way that we can try and fit some some of the prophecy stuff into it and still have it work and still have the the prophecy um, kind of line up. But I love the dyad. I want the dyad to work. I still think the dyad has a bunch of different ways of working. Also, because from the the spawn of Ray and the spawn of Ben, the idea of these two um, families born of the Force having that connection. The the past and the, the present must split. I feel like there's something we could do with the dyad there. Ooh. But Ooh. that we'll have to wait for another episode, potentially our dyad episode, which is coming up soon. Maybe next episode, maybe not. You don't know. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that has been our episode on the Jedi Order. Thank you so much for listening, watching, however you consume this content. Uh, we are available on every social media platform uh, except Twitter because I uh, I kind of don't believe it in it anymore. What's Twitter? Never heard of never exactly. heard of Twitter before. I don't know oh, yeah. what that is. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I mean X. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Soon to be triple X, oh, the hardest yeah. social media website. Anyway, we can't oh, go on no. that right now. Um, we, you can find us on Patreon. You can find us on social media. Please give us five stars on Spotify. Please. Uh, Please. But, uh, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, may the force be with you.